You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Hey, everybody. It's Monday night. Time for American Winer on podcastdetroit.com. How's everybody doing? Uh, I am doing good. I had Taco Bell earlier today for the first time in months, and I remembered why I stopped eating it to begin with. Um, so, uh, so anyway, my, my guest, uh, on that note, my guest tonight is a uh, noted, uh, Manosphere figure, Mr. Ryan Stone. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself, Alex? Other I'm great. Taco Bell, I'm assuming you're probably gonna need a break for a couple minutes here. Oh no, I'm, I'm good now. I, my body's already worked through it. We're, uh, we're going to be okay. I wasn't sure for a minute there earlier on my way here, but, uh, but I think I'm going to, I'm going to pull through. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, where, where are you joining us from, man? I am joining you from the great city of Toronto, mm. the vanilla, the vanilla build of cities that you can add actual character to to make your own city. Oh, I've never heard it referred to that way before, but I'm going to use that now. That's great. Um, yeah, well, I think the the best nickname for it is the uh, is the place where pickup went to die. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Um, but uh, I always start off these interviews with uh, the exact same question, and that question is, uh, where were you born? I was born in small town, oh, I guess big town, Alberta. It's a city called Edmonton. Edmonton, ah, yes. The uh, the Oilers. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's one of those prairie towns that get the negative 45 degree winters. Yes, well, the only reason uh, I, most Americans that I know anyway have heard of Edmonton is because of your hockey team, the uh, the Oilers. So, um, Damn right. There we go. Um, but uh, so did you grow up in Edmonton? And like, what? what tell me about your childhood and what, what that was like. Oh boy. So it's, uh, it's all over the map. I've probably lived in about half the country. Uh, I was born there. My parents got divorced when I was about five, six years old, to which point I moved to British Columbia, our version of Portland, California, and Washington all rolled up into one. A small little town outside there where we had a ranch. I ended up playing cowboy until I was 18. Then I moved to a town up in the North Thompson, which is like Arizona for Canada. I'm going to try and mention everything in response to like American cities, so it uh, makes somewhat sense. If I start mentioning the North Thompson interior, you're going to look at me like I have three fucking heads. Oh, can I swear on this or oh, no? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's internet radio. Go for it. Oh, thank God. Uh, yeah, I did the university thing there. Thought I was going to start a nice business following my dreams. After a couple years of that, it ended up not being so hot. I got drunk one day with a buddy, joined the military. It's kind of a theme with my life, getting drunk and making life-changing decisions, kind of the way things go. Then I moved down to Vancouver Island, lived there for about a decade, then got posted to Montreal, La Belle Provence, and lived there for a couple of years, got my red pilling, finally put in my uh, my retirement, and now I live over here in Ontario. Wow. So that's that's pretty much, I guess we can end the interview right there, because you just gave us pretty much the whole the whole life story in, uh, in a micro, micro version there. Um, but uh, yeah, no. There's there's way more to it than that. I, I would imagine. So d- uh, tell me, what did uh, what did your parents do? You said they divorced when you were five, but uh, what were their jobs? Yeah, so it's funny. It's going to kind of tap into a lot of the stuff that people read and talk about on the red pill. So my parents got divorced when I was young. My dad was a, a gambler, which you would think of as like a uh, Lothario or Playboy or whatever term you want to throw at it. My mom had a big thing for uh, white guys who love to party and. They broke up because she realized that's not really a stable environment for a kid. I ended up being having the stepdad, which is, for all intents and purposes, the uh, the big Viking alpha male. So that was the one kind of there. And I think, I don't want to get too much into it, but he was pretty much a prick. 
Oh, really? But at the same time, now that I've had a chance to look back at it, I think I had a post on it called Replacing Our Fathers where a lot of guys, when they have their, uh, they kind of are raised effeminate and it's not, it's kind of their mother's fault, but it's not intentional. I guess best way I can describe it is you see your mom and she always complains about your stepdad or your dad or whatever because he's such an overbearing oaf or a dick or whatever. And it's normally just girls venting. I'm sure. I mean, do you have a girlfriend or a wife? Or uh, I am single currently, but uh, I, I am familiar with the whole uh, girls complaining about whatever whatever they complain about. So and- Yeah. So as an adult, you're just like, okay, whatever, run your mouth. And then afterwards, I'll give you a back rub. We'll call it a date. But you're a six-year-old kid, seven-year-old kid, you see this most important person in your life talking shit about this guy. And so it kind of brainwashes you when you're young to be like, I'm never going to be like that guy when I grow up. And that led to to many years of of being the average frustrated chump that just wasn't getting successful with women, which I don't get because I did exactly the opposite of that asshole that my mom didn't like. Right, and you were, and you were when, in touch with your yeah, feelings and all the rest of that. Probably the best things for it. Oh, sorry, I'm cutting you off here. Oh, no, you're good, man. You. You're good. Uh, well, tell me, what kind of a student were you? Like, uh, how were you in school? Oh, man, total loss, boy. I was smart enough that I didn't have to work. Oh, the really? best way to describe it, I think uh, they had this little gifted kids program when I was in there where they did IQ tests, and you had to score... 137 to be in the 95th percentile, which they classified as genius. I think I scored 132, so I was just shy of the program. So it's good. So I'm just smart enough not to be gifted. <laughs> which, yeah, and then the benefit of that is like everything came naturally to me. I mean, I did computer science because I hated normal science as a kid. I was teaching the instructor how to program three months into it kind of thing. So I was never really challenged. And when you're not challenged, you don't put in any effort. Right. Parents were boomers. They didn't really push a put a stick in your ass to get going anywhere. So you just kind of yeah slept through and whatever. Well, that was really like a C minus student at best. Well, that's that must have been really interesting for you then to to have the experience of of like you said you know you're you're being around your mom the most and then having the alpha stepfather who is kind of instead of being an, an influence that you wanted to emulate because of you being around your mother complaining about him all the time he was you were like well it was a complete opposite effect you know. Like you were saying. Yeah, it, and it's fucked. Well, like, granted, if I was probably his actual son and not his stepson, it may have been a bit different. I think, uh, oh, this is going to be some tragic shit, man. I hope you guys aren't expecting, like, happy-go-lucky jokes in that. Oh, no, we're, we're from Detroit, <laughs> but, man. Uh, yeah, my nickname was, uh, my mom's name, like, her little bastard until I was about 10, I think. Oh, shit. And he never liked me. I think until I was 19, I came back after after the first year of college. And we almost we almost got into a fight. She managed to break it up before he and he would have whooped my ass too. So, but I guess it was after that point where I was willing to put him in the hospital that he actually started to like me, which which is funny because I had never had conflict as a kid either. So at that, I was kind of confused by that. I'm like, I just wanted to hurt you. Why, why are we friends all of a sudden? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the language that those guys speak, right? It's 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 physical <laughs> confrontation. You don't really know who someone is until you've fought them. That's kind yeah. of their their vibe. Yeah, win or lose, and then you kind of realize, like, holy fuck, I'm 19 years old, and I've never gotten into a conflict, and realize that's how men like get along. Like, fuck, talk about being put on your on your on your back foot here when you're an adult. Yeah, like no wonder I wasn't getting laid at 18. <laughs> well, you mentioned that you 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 left home at 18, right? You said you went. I, I want to say, you, yeah, I went to college at 17, technically. Okay. Um, came back like in the summers there to work on the ranch. I did finally left home, left home, and moved back to Edmonton for a while at 20. And that was with almost no experience. I think a handful of lays. I think I made up the uh, the kind of average sex that uh, a fundamentalist Christian would have, which is awesome. 
highly recommend it for anybody who likes dry dick. <laughs> um, but uh, so you didn't join the military right out of uh, of, a, of a school, then, did you? It's, you said you you started a business or tried to start a business. Yeah, as a graphic designer, if you can figure that, I went to I saw that thing on the matchstick where you can draw, you know, the one where you draw the the turtle or the pirate. Yeah, yeah. So I drew the pirate, and then they put me into the the DeVry type school where I learned how to be a graphic designer, and then I found out, holy fuck, following your dreams doesn't pay for dick. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, tried starting a company in Edmonton. I mean, it was all right. It didn't do bad, but it was definitely going to be like long bouts of drudgery and it just wasn't fulfilling. And I think I had one steady girlfriend at the time and she ended up dumping me because I don't remember what the excuses were, but it's all the stuff you hear from field reports and the red pill stuff where it was always excuses, making excuses for not having sex, this excuses for not sex, that and always pushing for commitment, this commitment, that eventually it broke off and got drunk one day, joined the military, and then all of a sudden a whole new world opened up. Right. Well, how old were you when you finally joined the military? 23, a silverback by uh, ordinary seaman terms. Yeah, yeah. And it was the Navy then? Yeah, the Navy. Okay. I didn't really have a preference for one or the other. I just walked into the recruiting center and they said I had uh, the highest mark they had ever seen for a recruit and I had my pick of the litter. So I picked the job that was opened first so I could start the soonest and it was uh, cryptography and IT security, so that was kind of fun. And so, tell me about the military. Then, like, how long were you were you in there, and, and what what did you get out of it? Twelve years, and uh, that one. I, most people, I know, we haven't really breached the topic of red pilling yet. You know how most people, when they end up having a life change, is because a girl screwed them over, right? Mm-hmm. So Zeroed I'm the first out. guy I think who got red pilled by his job, not by his woman. Yeah, it was, uh, and it kind of gave me a little a lifeline there for, for meaning. Cause then oh, you queen and country, you do your part for the country. You got their back. They got yours. Meritocracy, rah, rah. Like it's very, it's a very appealing message. I mean, even your guys is alt right right now. I'm assuming they're joining the military in droves since they're talking about how great America is. You'll have to tell me, I don't spend much time down there lately. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know, man. I, I, uh, the ones that I know aren't joining the military, but uh, I'm sure some of them are. So, Oh, um, I could hope so. I'm like, fuck, put up or shut up. Jesus. Yeah, for real. Um, well, so twelve years in the military, then that's 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 a long time. If you were twenty three, then you you didn't get out till you were in your mid thirties. Yeah, yeah, about thirty five ish or so, I think. I can't, I don't do the math. All I remember is that uh, you twelve years, you get your Canadian decoration, you get to put a nice CD at the end of your name, and you get a fancy medal, like the gold watch of the nineteen fifties. I got out right after then. Well, my so, work, uh, yeah, my unit taught me at the time. It was a reserve unit, and I got down there, and I was hit by a car and then it kind of put me behind stress started piling up. And then eventually I just snapped, I guess was the best way to put it. And then they found a reason to try and get rid of me and a uh, great MGTOW red pill guy. If you guys are aware of him, his name is Terrence pop. I think he lives actually in Michigan. Huh. I don't know if you've heard of him. I have not. No, I have oh, not. He's though. an awesome guy. Yeah, he's an ex ranger and he talks about, he calls it administrative violence. And that's where they kind of weaponize the military court system against you. And, it was kind of a, it's a, it was a big hit to your ego because you thought, you know, whatever, if you do something wrong, you do your time and everybody's got your back, but it just flipped. You just realized then when the system didn't have a use for you anymore, then you were pretty much useless. And so typical, the typical path, you get angry. And then when I get angry, I decided to take action and do something about it. Got red pills, got deep in the books, started writing some field reports and it was a very easy thing to do because at the time I was doing a lot of pickup too. That was kind of my heyday and it was a lot of fun. Well, what came Strongly for you? What came for you first? Was it the red pill or was it the pickup? 
oh, the pickup. I came here from like hardcore mystery method with the layers and all that stuff. Dating was just boring. And so at that point, gamification was like the new thing. That's when you first could put a GPS tracker on your phone for taking runs, workout tracking on your first generation Windows smartphone with a stylist. You remember that shit? Yeah, yeah. Palm pilots yeah. type stuff. Yeah. yeah, and then dating was boring. And I mean, I was out of sea for 180 days a year, so I didn't have much time to wine and dine a girl like my mom taught me to. So learn this pickup stuff and it kind of made it a fun little adventure and you kind of developed abundance because hey i'll hit on this girl and if it doesn't work out well i'm gone for three months so all right see you later and you don't really grow too attached to anything so it's just a perfect combination right and that must have been really interesting too because that was right when like the manosphere was being formed and like people were becoming aware like the old game is dead and we need to start figuring out a way to adapt to this new world and uh yeah, and you were you were blazing your own trail there. Oh yeah, why not? Like I said, the internet wasn't big. I wasn't. I didn't have time to be on. I think MySpace at the time. I have no idea what. There was like a three four year period where I just had no idea what was going on because I was just busy doing my thing. It's just kind of neat. Then you come back and you realize that everybody's kind of advanced and moved on. Like I think Rolo Tomasi, he was he was big in that. He would have been in the game while Mystery was still developing the game with Neil Strauss before he got all weird. Right, right. Yeah. Well, before he wrote the truth, right? Um, I, uh, I, I actually, that was my introduction to, to, to quote unquote red pill stuff. And I know pickup is not red pill, but that was like my first introduction to it. When I was 21, I read the game and I went a good 10 years before I even came up with, I even heard the term red pill. Um, so, but how long did it take you between learning the pickup type stuff and getting comfortable with that and then learning about red pill? Oh, the red pill. See, that's the thing. I never really learned about it until until work started uh, having its way with me because it was a hard thing. Like usually I'm the kind of person who likes when the world makes sense. That's why the military appealed to me at the time. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden things started didn't make sense. I'm like, well, that's weird. I gave you guys 10 years and I was top of the class all the time. And I, I I was an instructor there for a while. I was training the best and the brightest. I knew my job. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody doesn't like you and all that doesn't count for shit. So. I mean, a lot of times you're just searching for what the fuck just happened. And it's the same thing. If you're trying to pick up girls the way you were taught as a kid and it's just not working, eventually you get frustrated. and You're like, all right, let's find somebody smarter than me and see what they wrote. And that's how I got to the red pill. Well, who was and that yeah, person? That's why I referenced Terrence Pop because he actually does a little series on it. If you watch it, it's great. It's about administrative violence. And I think every military guy should read it at one point. Huh. And was he kind of like your, uh, the guy who you mentioned, find somebody smarter than you and see what they have to say. Was he that guy for you that got you into the red pill? Yeah, he was the first one. And then after that, it brought me down to Reddit, at which point they introduced me to the works of Rolo Tomasi, uh, Iron, or yeah, Ian Ironwood. Um, Roosh, I hate to say it, like Roosh is the one guy I never really followed out of them. Like Roycey I followed, Rolo I followed. Roosh was just never a thing. I only picked up Daybang like three years ago. It's kind <laughs> of embarrassing because he's one of the three big ones, right? Yeah, he is. He's one of the three R's. And, and somebody could make... I can make the argument that you could be kind of a fourth R, you know I mean? You're, you're in that same circle. You do the red man group with Rolo and all that. So, well, I appreciate that. Like I said, I was kind of joking with you. I think beforehand where you said, uh, you were reading and liked a lot of the stuff I wrote. And I'm like, that's not so much a compliment for me as it is an insult for you having such low standards, but thank you. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't say that, man, but, but, but I get, I get what you're doing there. So, um, yeah, but, uh, so, so, uh, the red pill. How? What's your elevator pitch on that? If you come across a guy who, you know, like you said, average frustrated chump who's never heard of it, how would you pitch the red pill to them? What does the red pill mean to you in simple terms? All right. Well, first off, I 
don't ever try and red pill anybody. I've never done it. And anybody who's tried to do it ends up getting bit in the ass. Mm -hmm. It's like the leading horse to water. But as far as an elevator pitch for people who are kind of on the fence about it, it's just guys swapping notes. I know a lot of guys on there. I think you had Gay Luboyle on here and he kind of mentioned it as in like a, a transcendence an awakening, a, an Ubermensch Superman thing. Like a lot of people really are pinning hopes and dreams on this thing, which, you know, power to them. Maybe I'm wrong and they're right. But at the end of the day, it's just the equivalent of when you had guys only barber shops or gentlemen's clubs before they became synonymous with strip clubs. Guys would just sit around and swap notes with each other and how to learn to do something better. It's just auto mechanics. Right. Well, that's what I look at it as too, man. It's, it's, it's a support group for me like yeah. that's that's and i and as far as like red pilling other people i completely agree because i've i've i have one friend that i try to do it to and it did absolutely nothing and what that tells me is that you don't find the red pill the red pill finds you is is sort yeah. of is sort of the way that i think of it um and that's hilarious too because you always think everybody talks about it like a cult you're like this is the shittiest cult ever nobody gets paid nobody gets laid you can leave whenever you want to and nobody seems to want to join yeah exactly <laughs> well and 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 like you know, recently with all this incel, incel stuff that's been going on, I keep saying on the subreddit, like, we need to save all these, like, rational posts and all this. Just people go there and they see that we're not a bunch of racist, bitter misogynists. It's, we're a bunch of regular guys trying to better ourselves. That's what's going on here fundamentally. Um, yeah. You're not going to change their mind, though. People are going to – people just want to get angry at shit. So if it wasn't us, it would be somebody else. That's Luckily, true. Trump took a lot of heat off of that, so now they're screaming at the moon over him. So yeah, yeah, thank well, Trump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's doing a great job of uh, drawing all the fire. So, um, <laughs> but uh, so my next question is, uh, like, I'm trying to think of that. Well, let's talk about game because you 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 went through a, a big pickup phase. You refer to it as your mystery phase um, on your. Uh, yeah. I've heard you refer to it as your mystery phase. And uh, my first question in terms of game is: How did you get over rejection? And like, how long had you been gaming before you realized like this doesn't bother me anymore? Yeah, honestly, it was um, it was just the the sailing schedule. I hate to say it, but I wish I had some kind of great mindset trick. Like, you guys, guys, just believe in this, and there's ten rules to be the pickup god, but. In reality, I was just working so much, like I didn't really have time to consider it. So it just kind of worked yeah, every, out for you then? Yeah, because we would do, they call them the Esquimalt 500s. That's where you sail around Vancouver Island because uh, our captain at the time, he had wrote a book on how to sail those those waterways because I guess they're the most complicated on earth or something like that. So we would constantly do that so we could fill out the material for his next book. So when I'm home, I'm home for like a week. And when you're out of the bar on a Tuesday, you don't exactly have time to foster a, a loving relationship based on friendship and, and good feelings. So you're like, hey, I'm free. I got 10 hours and you want to have sex? A lot of times where I was having sex with girls and I would be checking my clock because I had to be at work in like two, three hours. And I'm like calculating in my head like, oh, how's that traffic going to be? And will I make it? Well, that's that actually kind of ties into my next question because, like, how long had you been at the game before you realized it was working? Like, hey, I'm actually getting laid through these techniques. Oh, geez, it was right away, like right away. I think because yeah, at first, I mean, if you read the mystery method, we actually have a thing on MRP where a guy was never he's never gamed his wife before, so he's reading all through the old stuff and he laid it out, and I'm like, holy fuck, I can't believe I uh, paid attention to this because it's got five steps and each step has three sub steps and each one has canned scripts to kind of teach you what to say. I'm like, geez, I had a great memory back then. But yeah, as soon as you had a routine down, it worked awesomely. You would do three, four, five approaches. I mean, I, at the time I didn't realize how strong inner game was. So, I mean, I worked out all the time. I think I was up to 205 pounds at five foot nine. It was 
fairly a lot of muscle there. Plus, I had the nice military jobs. You kind of got that cool alpha persona about you. And so all the stars were just aligned, and it was instantly having feedback. And then I noticed with a couple of the, uh, like, every guy's got their sticking their dick and crazy story. And it was those ones there were the ones that taught me that rejection can sometimes be a good thing. Right, right. Well, it's yeah. it sounds like the uh, like I said, like you said, the stars just aligned. I mean, it, it it just goes to show you, like, if you have your shit together and you're and you've you've worked on yourself, then really the, the only step is just going out and talking to women. It seems like. Oh God, yeah, yeah. And I, like those canned routines were nice when you didn't know what to say, but then after a while, I got the hang of it, and I'm just realizing, like, it doesn't really matter what you say. I think I called it uh, Dane Cook game when I was making fun of the Family Alpha a couple weeks ago. Do you remember Dane Cook? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, the Pickles. Yeah, yeah his, that guy. Yeah, yeah, his comedy specials where it was just him basically saying random shit, all animated, and his hair is messy, and he's waving his hands and, and eating it up. I'm like, I just realized that sometimes I would say just the stupidest shit ever with a big fucking grin on my face, and it was working. I'm like, clearly nobody gives a fuck what you have to say as long as you say it with some charm. Right, right. And and that kind of reminds me, remember the South Park episode that parodied High School Musical? Do you remember that one? Oh, I never watched it, but I've heard about it. Well, there's a moment. The kid that kind of gets everybody singing is – I can't remember his name. It's one of the kids at school. And at the end of the episode, he gets interested in something else, and all of a sudden everybody's interested in that. And and, the, and Stan and all the main characters are like, what the fuck? Like we we started acting like this guy so that we'd be included, and now he's off doing something else. And one of the other kids goes, well, yeah, I don't think it's that they liked the singing. I think they just like him. So it's really – that's <laughs> that gets into like it really doesn't matter – what you're saying, like I said, if you have your shit together and if you you have you know the, the air of of an alpha about you, right, and you, and you look you look the part. Yeah, and I wish I could give military all the credit for that too. Like clearly, I was put on the best foot forward because there was a lot of guys in there. Like I know some people think of the military as like an alpha alpha breeding program, but it's really just a force amplifier. Like I had a guy who had his uh, it was a supply tech on our ship, his ex wife or his wife who had her two ex-husbands living in his house with their, the six kids between all of them. None of the kids were his, and he would be off at sea, and I guess the guys were telling me he used to write suicide notes on the boxes when he'd unpack shit. What the fuck? Like, yeah, I know, the guy was fucked. He wasn't very charming either, so that's the problem with guys, is when you're down, people love, like, girls love to kick you when you're down, so they would just poke fun at this guy constantly. I'm like, guys, like, this guy's this close to being, nowadays, he'd be renting a van. Yeah, like, I can't exactly. The kind of crap we got away with back then. Yeah, for real. That's a cry for help if I've ever heard one. Writing suicide notes on just—it's like a message in a bottle type situation. Oh God, yeah. He's just desperate to have somebody acknowledge his humanity. That's why I kind of like I empathize with a lot of these guys, uh, guys that are doing the killing when they just are incels. I guess. I mean, I went back all the way to Arab Spring, which I was actually—I was thinking about that. I never did post on it too. Uh, you're, uh, yeah, you're old enough. The Arab Spring. Did you know that that was basically like the first incel riot that oh, I can find? Yeah, in fact, one not the I want to say two weeks ago I had a guest on. It's my brother's boyfriend, and he is from Libya, so he lived through it. And I talked to him about it, and and yeah, it's it's uh, it was basically because of the way that that society is structured with with Islam and all that. It's you know it's uh, what do you call alpha fucks beta bucks basically. You know where yeah. it's it's uh, the one guy gets gets most of the women, and then everybody else is left to scrounge for themselves. And what are they going to do? They're going to get really pissed off, and they're going to get fucking violent. So that's that's yeah, what happened. Remember, yeah, they put them in school for a while there, but that just gave them you know four years to put it off, where they get angry and more educated. And this guy was selling fruit fruit stand, and then I guess uh, as long as he had hope, 
he was holding on. But then when Bush did his ethanol subsidies, it tripled the price of wheat, which meant he got run out of business. And then this female like uh, guard or police officer, I don't know how it works over there, but one of those enforcement people basically kicked over his fruit stand and stole his cash. And then he just, and here's the thing. He was such a, like a beta guy. He couldn't even lash out at anybody. He just lit himself on fire. Yeah. But apparently there's enough of them that it just started a riot. And every time I see one of these cell shootings, I'm wondering like, is it going to like when it's bad enough that that kind of shit happens here? That's where I'm really going to get worried. Like, I hope it doesn't come that way. I know hopefully Rolo and guys like you and just normal guys who have a path out of that can take a guy aside and like, dude, stop writing the suicide notes on the boxes. Yeah. Look like, with here. Here's a, here's a weight. Hit the gym. Yeah, stop exactly. Your girl so serious. It doesn't take a whole lot either. It's, I mean, and you have to understand it's a gradual process. Too. I mean, but last, I mean, you guys just had a shooting last night. I don't know if it was, if it was incel related or something else, but again, you know, it's just, it's just male rage in general, you know, it doesn't really yeah. have much of an outlet these days. I mean, even like rock music, which is, was a great channeler of male rage is completely, you know, is, is gone from the mainstream now. And, and that's another, I won't get into that, but, uh, that's another podcast, but, uh, well, actually, I'm kind of curious because, I mean, my last influence with metal would have been like KMFDM. Apparently, I'm 20 years out of the loop. So, yeah, I mean, well, if you, got, if you got some bands you can point at me, I'm all ears. Well, that's the thing, man. It's like there's I was just talking about this with uh, the my guest last uh, last week. And I was like, you know, there is no millennial Metallica. There's no millennial Nirvana. It's all hip hop and, and pop and, and, and that kind of stuff. The kids nowadays, if they listen to rock, they listen to the old stuff. There's really nothing yeah. else coming up. There are bands. There's plenty of bands, but there's nobody that's on the level that the classic bands were on at, in in their prime, you know. Um, and that was I guess it was the White Stripes walking us out. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And I mean, I was I was cool with that, you know. I mean, Jack Lyons from Detroit. It was great to have Detroit being repped like that. But um, until he moved to Nashville, anyway. But uh, uh, yeah, it's just the you know one by one the sort of the 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 ways to channel the aggression and just the testosterone in general have been slowly dismantled and I, I don't know, whittled away. Yeah. And I don't think it's, it's entirely intentional. I think some of it definitely is, but I, I think a lot of it is just, you know, a gradual evolution of a, of a particular society in, in, a, in a direction, you know, and, and um, like Rolo We're becoming civilized. Well, it's, I mean, you know, like, <laughs> like Rolo would say it's the feminine imperative, right. You know, slowly taking over. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so back to, back to you, uh, I wanted to, t- to ask, uh, you had a. I don't know if this is your latest uh, blog post now, but it was the latest one that I read. And in it, you mentioned that there's no rite of passage for young men nowadays, and this kind of gets into your military thing because that sounds like it was kind of your rite of passage. Um, but as a result, men are trapped. I as, wanted it to be. Uh, <laughs> uh, but this also kind of gets into the incel thing because you you said that uh, there's no rite of passage for young men nowadays, and as a result, men are trapped either as boys in which their innocence defines them, or they're just guys in which their impotence defines them. So, could you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a catastrophic success. We've done so well as a society that we've automated anything that requires masculine strength. And now here we are like now what do we do? And we gave women three generations to help define modern masculinity and they fucked it up royally. So I'll just say this like thanks ladies, we got it from here. And like I said, I mean I remember thinking my military service would have been it. And we had a remembrance day, which is our Canadian equivalent of Patriots days where we celebrate the world war one veterans. And it's a kind of expanded to for all veterans. Okay. And part of your history is you go to a CENTAF and full rigs with your medals on the side. And then you go to a Legion drink with some of the older guys. I think uh, I talked about how I met a Korean war vet. I wish I could remember his name, but it was so many years ago. And, uh, 
he was asking, he was interested about us. He's like, oh, tell us, what was your deployment like? And I explained the deployment and it was, I mean, it's the equivalent of a cop doing speeding tickets on the high seas there to make sure no pirates are trying to take over a carnival cruise ship. Hmm. And then I'm like, oh, and so then we're like, oh, what did you do? He goes, oh, well, they flew me down to Korea, dropped me out of a plane with some explosives and said, blow up anything made out of steel. We'll see you in three months. And it was just right then I realized, like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, how like, long? talk about a deflating. <laughs> well, yeah, for real. I mean, how long? And then how long did you have to put up with that? Like, how long were you there? That would have been right after my deployment in 08. So I was there for another four years. And I was kind of, at that point, I was fighting to see maybe there was something else I can grab meaning from. I had got a job after that with the fleet school where I could teach the kids. My kids, they're like 23, but... That was actually fairly, out of all my my postings, I think that one was the most fulfilling. But it still, I mean, it wasn't enough. It was just, well, I'm just teaching guys to go through the same process I went through. It's not really working. Then uh, the last one I tried was an in- inland posting, and that one decided to uh, really cement the idea and that we're not here to be your meaning in life. And so, But then, that yeah, that was to the point, because I realized, like, everybody at the 21 convention I went last year, I gave my speech and it was essentially just talking about the 12 levels of dread as a narrative so people can understand how the process works. And uh, the first question I got from a kid when I told him, I'm like, I'm not here to tell you what your life's meaning is. I'm just telling you how to get there. And the first thing he asked was about a rite of passage. And I didn't really have an answer for him. I'm like, I don't know, go hunt a deer with a knife and rip out its still beating heart and eat it. I don't fucking know. (laughs) And then I thought about that and that one kind of stuck with me for a while. And then I remembered back to these things and there really isn't one because there's no need for one. So the only thing that I've come up with is like the only way you can be a man now is can you fight or can you fuck essentially? Like I'm not saying you have to, but you have to be able to. And that's why we work out and that's why we run game. We used to say it was, you know, being a good father, but what are the voice rates now? 50% and 60% of kids are based out of wet, are born out of wedlock. So, I mean, if being a father is so valuable, why is, why is nobody opting in? Well, I, I do. I want to ask you, like, what recent revelations have you had about the red pill in general? You know, because is, is, would that be one of them that, like, you know, the 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 you have to be able to fight or to fuck? Well, I was just trying to think. I was like, what actually do we have that isn't a commodity? We can't say it's providing, you know, putting food on the table because girls can earn money now and they're progressively earning more than guys. So, I mean, your provision doesn't really count when a girl you can bring home the bacon, but if a girl can buy it at the store for three dollars, how valuable is it? And then, so that was the one revelation. So we don't really have a rite of passage. You just kind of have to plop yourself in a spot and say, I'm here and dare somebody to move you out. It's kind of where we're at. And as long as you're looking for somebody else to provide it, like, uh, and no offense, I like the guy, like a Jordan Peterson or any of the other RSD groups there that talk about positive masculinity. I mean, you're just asking them to give you life's meaning. You're going to be disappointed. I guess the other, and this is a really sad revelation, is uh, the Pareto Principle. Have you heard of this? I'm oh yeah, yeah. The top twenty percent. Everything. To who, what is the quote? It's like uh, to he yeah, who has 80%. everything, much will will be given. Yeah, so, basically, twenty percent of the people have eighty percent of the the benefit in anything where there's a hierarchy. Right. And here's the thing: like even with the red pill, you've basically got an instruction manual. You got hundred thousand guys who have tried everything they can think of, and they wrote it all down. So you basically have a roadmap. You can follow it. Take the pieces out of it that work for you. And get whatever you want out of life. You want to be a playboy till 40. You want to be a family man. All that stuff's there. And still, day after day, eight guys out of 10 are just posting the same dumb shit, putting in the same lack of effort, asking the same inane questions. And it gets kind of, it kind of makes you wonder, like, is that, is it, 
uh, is it like a DNA thing? Are 80% of people just destined to fail against all better judgment or? I know it's a, it's a bit of a depressing thought for me, and I like I like to hope I'm wrong on this one, but <laughs> it's just hard. I no, guess you I, just have to realize. I can see it, man, and and the thing is, like, I, you know, the, the pro- that's the problem with the subreddit right now is it's just you can tell it's just a bunch of frustrated twenty year olds and and uh, and teenagers coming in and just you know there's like two kinds of posts. There's either the victim pukes that you see, or there's more common are the ones where they try and pontificate and act like they've got it all figured out when very clearly they're just looking for validation, which is... Yeah, do you notice that? Everybody's got theory. Not one person has field reports. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I would like to think that the it's just, it's new people that are coming in and being cycled through. So as soon as they... Because I had my victim puke post. You know, I did that last spring and, and, uh, and I moved past it. I know what it is now and I'm not going to do it again. So as long yeah, as you're you moving see. past it, that's part of the process. Oh, God, yeah. Get it out. I think in Married Red Pill, we have a, a rule. You get one victim puke, and that's it. And you get flared on the account. But uh, to the credit of the Red Pill, the moderator team there, awesome bunch of guys. If you've ever seen the unfiltered version, it's a fucking garbage fire. Oh, I like, imagine. They really do remove a lot of stuff, and it's crazy the messages you'll get in moderator mail. As soon as you, like, well, I have a system where if uh, I'm not sure if a guy has his shit together or he's just pretending for the likes... I'll throw like a quick uh, removal of his post and a 24-hour ban. And then sure enough, nine times out of 10, he'll come into the mod mail, start calling me a woman, a cuck, a homosexual, <laughs> which is, I thought that was like a 90s insult. I don't think you're allowed to say that anymore, but whatever. And then you realize he's just faking it. But like one time out of 10, you hear a guy's like, yeah, what's the problem with this? And you explain like, not sure where you're thinking. And he goes, yeah, fair enough. And then you realize, okay, he's not really attached to it. He's got his shit together. And it's that little shit like that that kind of keeps you going, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. That's again the Pareto principle. There it is again. Like one out you said one out of ten, twenty guys is the one that uh yeah. that appears to be getting it. Um well tell me about your, your work with the subreddit then in your blog. Like how did you start to become a figure in the manosphere? Like how did you how, tell me about that that uh process for you? That's a that's a good question. Are we taking calls? Because I'd like to ask. Uh <laughs> we we are not. There's only one phone line, but uh but have at yeah, it, if I had to take a guess, all I can say is I just put in effort. Um, I made a joke. I can't remember if it was in a post or just on comments or whatever that I'm essentially a five out of 10 guy. And I got bumped up to eight because everybody else just got out of the way. Uh, all I did was I got in there. I had my one victim puke. I got called a faggot for about three straight months while I figured my shit out. And then I started posting field reports of the success I was having and at one point, a uh, married red pill asked me if I wanted to be on as a moderator. So I thought that was kind of cool. It's like a take a penny, give a penny jar. And it was my chance to give back shortly after. And, uh, and I, don't, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but married red pill and the red pill, they have a little bit of beef, the narcissism of small differences. And I remember at one point we had a really big tiff over uh, one of the guys said I would get married again if I had the choice. And for the most part, our policy is, yeah, no, we found it after we got married. We're not into getting married but you know fill your boots and then that kind of upset a lot of the other guys and then after that i kind of got invited to the red pill proper to moderate so that was even cooler and then after that uh rollo invited me to be at the 21 convention i still the best explanation he's given me was because it was nice to see the stuff that he had written about in practice hmm. he had myself and then hunter drew from the family alpha came in on that one. And then the podcast was just another extension of that. We're trying to, like you said, same as what you're doing there, just showing that, you know, just normal guys are swapping notes with other normal guys and all this crap you see in the media is just ridiculous. 
Well, how did the Red Man group come about then? Because that, was that an extension of the 21 convention? Yeah, as far as I know, Anthony Stardex, he thought it'd be a good idea for a podcast. And then uh, he and Rolo discussed it. They built up a panel of people and we just took it from there. It just kind of organically grew. As far as I know, it was just supposed to be for a, a like a one-time laugh. And then eventually he would bring on people who are going to be speaking at the convention as like uh, as an advertising thing. But then the numbers of viewers just shot up. And so that was really cool. Well, the only real hiccup we had is at first we were stepping on each other's dicks because we kept speaking over each other, but you know, eventually got the hang of it. I think. Yeah, I actually I want to mention you're the first person I've. I, thank you for. I don't know if you came up with that term, stepping on your own dick, but that is such a, a perfect <laughs> phrase to use. And that was actually the first thing I ever saw of you. I I'd known about you through the subreddit, but I watched an interview with you from the uh, 21 convention, and you used that phrase, and I was like, I'm gonna look this guy up because that is. I'll remember that. Um, but yeah, uh, sailorisms. Yeah. <laughs> is that where you got it from? Was that from the Navy? I'm I'm almost positive. Anything I do that sounds blue collar and harsh is probably from the Navy. All right, then. Um, well, <laughs> what's going on with this year's 21 convention? Why don't you talk about that? So this year's 21 convention is cool. So the first year uh, was when Anthony got his red pill and then he and Rolo kind of worked out a system and a lot of it was him working through and it was a bit of a transition. This year, it looks like he's got a ton of awesome speakers and I still have to look through the list because he's updating it. The one I'm really looking forward to is I believe he has uh, Glover on there from uh, from our sidebar writings, which is really good. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Sean Smith, who's another one of my favorite up-and-coming guys, I think he's he's awesome. It's nice seeing a red-pilled shrink. And yeah, it's uh, and then all the people I tend to know, I wish I had like a shopping list of names right now. I didn't really prep with his advertising, but go check it out at 21 Convention. He's got his name list there, I believe... Uh, Oh, uh, what the heck? Why am I drawing a blank? The Democrats is a deplorable guy. Uh, the 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 person who said it, or the uh, the guy that it was the about. The guy who ended up getting doxxed from that DC school. Why am I drawing a blank? I have him on my Twitter feed for Christ's sake. Uh, Jack yeah. Donovan. Oh, or, yeah. no, not Jack Donovan. Jack Murphy. I think it was him. Or Jack Donovan. You know what? Just go with Anthony. I'm basically fudging up this uh, this advertisement for his. <laughs> no, we we got it, man. We got it. Um, but uh, yeah, are are you gonna be there? Yeah, I got invited. I got to get down there. I'm still at the point where I'm coming up with a speech. I've always tried to treat these things like people are paying good money to come down there. I'm not getting paid for it. For me, it's just the the joy of meeting like Goldman and Christian McQueen, Rolo and that. So I just try to think what's the best. If I have an hour to give to somebody, what can I give them that's the best bang for their buck? So it's going to be fun times. I think we even got uh, from our last, I don't, know if we invited turd flinging monkey i'm probably not i think he and uh he's having a bit of a beef right now with <laughs> but then again i don't really follow that stuff too much well what are the dates for that i know it's in october dates for that but... one uh, should be october i believe it's around the 21st all right oh well, i will i will certainly look, in, look into that i don't know if i'm going to be able to do it but i i would like to at some point i will i will definitely go down there and check that out um I, my next question is kind of a, a new subject. Uh, what's the biggest mistake you see the average man making nowadays? And it doesn't even need to necessarily be red pill related, but just in general. Fear or uh, failure, fear of success, I guess. Stepping on your own dick. Yeah, yeah. just stick with the what works. It's it's weird. Um, the success I've been having lately, a lot of the times it's just about getting up there and trying. And it's crazy when you see guys going through their, their mail action plans is they're just afraid of the consequence of something. Mm-hmm. 
it drives me nuts because like one of the one of the qualities of higher testosterone and being a guy is you have a certain risk tolerance like it kind of mutes you to being afraid of getting curb stomped by a caveman so when you see guys that are afraid to speak up to their wife because and then that's the thing they never say why it's always oh i don't want to i don't want to say the wrong things to her it's like well why and they don't really have an answer it's just kind of this nebulous feeling of dread and once you get them to actually walk through like hey walk through what the worst possible situation is going to come from you telling your wife to fuck off when she's nagging you he goes well she'll leave me I'm like, well, you got a nagging girl that doesn't fuck you. Is that the worst thing in the world? Well, I guess not. Right, mm-hmm. Well, you can live with it then. And then they go and do something. You find then once they just get out of their own way, success just starts coming. Like they may not end up as six foot ten Chad, but a guy will pull himself up from his bootstraps and go from a life of quiet desperation writing suicide notes into being like a normal guy who has a healthy sex life and a general positive outlook on life. Yeah, that- yeah we're, our, we're our own worst enemy. That's that's that reminds me of something. You ever watch Breaking Bad with Hard Brian Cranston? Oh, yeah. awesome! Well, you remember that episode where uh, Walt's talking to Hank and he says, uh, "Hank's." It was after the El Paso incident where Hank saw that guy uh, get blown up, and Walt's like, you know, talking about the fear, and he said pretty much what you just said there, which is, you know, I've been a pussy my whole life, and uh, and I realize that it's the generalized fear. It's just, you know, what it is? It's just conquering your lizard brain because that's what causes it. It's it's all that extra 100%. evolutionary bullshit that's been built up over the the village of fifty people is not going to reject you now. You have plenty of options, mm-hmm. so you got it. And, and the other thing that I've found because I coming from where I'm coming from, I'm still low on the totem pole. I don't I, I'm not good enough to be writing field reports yet. I still freeze up. I'm I'm where I'm at right now is like going up to random women and like just saying hi or like just saying something about their appearance or whatever and just opening like that's where i am right now so you right there don't even sell yourself sort i'll tell you this right now too at the 21 convention we had like a went to the bar out at one point and a bunch of us guys were already settled down so it was kind of neat seeing the pickup guys that were there go out and do some examples show the guys how to pick up but i'm there with a table of single guys who were there to become men and they're just sitting at the table staring at their beer and there was this one guy i can't remember his name he's a puerto rican guy had an awesome handlebar mustache and a beard i thought he was sikh with that awesome beard he had going, but I just showed him. I walked up to a girl, and I think she looked like that uh, that assassin girl off a of Game of Thrones. And I just started making fun of her for that. And then she started opening up to me. And I think at one point I uh, I just showed him how like how easy it was. Like I didn't really care. And I think at one point I just showed him like here, just grab a boob or whatever. And she was all for it. She thought it was fun. She had five guys paying attention to her. And then he realized how easy it was. And he started walking up and talking to another one. I mean. Sure, you're at that point where maybe we can tweak your body language to be more open or have some have some hooks. Like right now, you got a podcast in Detroit. That's something cool to talk about. Heck, you got you got me a little wet when you were talking about the guests you had on. I'm like, wait, you had what from who? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not gonna lie, I got a little wet. Well, well, that's good to know. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell everybody about that. Um, but uh, but yeah, th- th- so I completely agree. And and for me, like, what I need to see are guys that are you know, that are still low on the totem pole and they're still at the sort of the beginning of their journey where they're not, because that was one of the problems. Another problem that I have with the subreddit is a lot of those, before I realized that a lot of those field reports where the guy's just slaying pussy and it's like, he's not even trying are, are a lot of those are bullshit and just desperate for validation. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that can be real. Some are not some guys, nobody posts their failures though. That's like, that's something I don't like either. Yep. I used to post, uh, I got horrible anxiety attacks on my first red pilling and I talked about those all the time under my first username, Stone Pimple Tylists, which I had to get rid of once I heard it spoken out loud. I'm like, oh, that's 
fucking <laughs> Well, yeah, but that's the thing is like you need to – if you're just starting out, you need to hear about – it's like you're not automatically just going to gonna start going out and being successful. It is a gradual process and sometimes it takes a long time. I'm not even a year in yet. So it's 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 going to you know don't get discouraged yeah and you have to allow yourself to fail too like you know yeah. well, of, what else are you going to do with your time at least failing something interesting yeah yeah and it's been the the whole rejection is uh is is good for you Th- that whole thing uh, you know what's I'm drawing a blank on the freaking phrase now but it's it's not rejection it, rejection oh, is it's better, better than regret rejection than regret that's what it is yes that rejection is always better than regret repeat that to yourself what I do and I haven't done this in a while now just because I've been busy but. I go to the mall, and as soon as you see one that you think is attractive, just think of something within three seconds to use the three-second second rule. Look at something. Hey, I like your shirt. Hey, I like your hair. I like your whatever. That's all you got to do. And she's going to smile and say yes. Maybe she won't look at you and say thanks or something like that. That's the worst I've gotten. But there, you opened them. And then move on to oh, the yeah. next one. Another one. Great question. Your openers, are they yes-no questions like that, or do you have those open-ended questions? That's like a, instead of I like your scarf. Hey, that scarf is that a linen scarf or whatever? And then they'll talk. I think it's uh, old man, old man conversation. Bruce used to talk about it in Daybang. Uh, I have not used that, but I will now. That's that's actually like I said. I was just because I'm at the point now where like if I start talking to them, all of a sudden like the lizard brain kicks in and you're like you're gonna fuck it up, you're gonna fuck it up, and then and then. And then you either do or you just or I, I run away basically. I'm like, okay, well that one good enough for now. I gotta go over here before <laughs> before I fuck this up. I'm just picturing you running away from a girl while she's standing there like what the fuck? Yeah, that? yeah, I like your shirt. <laughs> oh thanks. And then bam, there and, and there he goes down the hallway. But uh but <laughs> um but yeah, so it's it's uh th- there you go. That that would be the next step. Another thing, when I had my victim puke, a guy said, uh, and this is what I actually started with. Just go up to to a girl that you find attractive and ask her for the time, and they're not going to get oh, mad. They're just gonna they're just gonna give you the time. And what's hilarious, man, is I started doing that, and I would have my phone in my fucking hand, and they'd still give me the time. It was yeah. I I started doing it just to see if any one of them would be like, well, why don't you look at your phone? Your phone is right there, and not not one of them did. It's just they give you the time, and then you move on, and then you it feels good. You do like five or ten of those, and you walk away, and you're like, that's good for today. I I I got over that part of it, and then you can move, yeah. You realize there's just nothing. It doesn't matter what you say. You could have a you could have a watch on. You could ask them for the time, and people will just tell you. Mm-hmm. In fact, it would almost be better if somebody called you on it because then you could just be completely upfront and yeah. I I, I didn't want to know the time. I wanted you to tell me the time. Shows a little bit of interest without being too committed, but I mean. That's the stuff that comes with practice. Eventually, you get to think on the fly. Well, um, but that's awesome. What, it, it totally is. Uh, I, I want to ask you, man. Uh, what What do you have coming up in the future here? Like, do you have anything going up besides the twenty one convention? I guess is there anything else that you have? Uh, anything that we should know about that you want to promote? Yeah, well, in the future, it's uh, like I said, the blog posts aren't so much because I'm trying to monetize it or anything. It's just mostly me articulating my thoughts. The married red pill isn't really searching for growth. It's more about just keep the thing chugging along as it is the red pill it proper is working on building building a bigger exposure in the real world which is kind of cool to be honest my real life right now is busy as hell with my real life job and the real life money problems but at this point i'm earning enough money that uh i can afford to take all this extra time to do stuff like this which is cool so I want to say at some point I'm writing a book, but I'll be just like a limitable man where I'll be promising a book for three years and the thing never gets done, but you can donate to my Patreon if you want to, but you know. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, well, yeah. that, that's great, yeah, at this man. Point, it's not a job, it's a hobby, so. 
Well, I think that actually kind of helps. You know, when something turns into a job, then it, it takes on this different dynamic, and it, you know, your uh, your your quality or your your attitude towards it might might suffer. So oh, probably that start pandering like uh, Tony Robbins. Yeah, <laughs> watch me punch through the board and show you how you can believe in anything as long as you just believe. Yeah, look through the board. The board is not actually there. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, well, we're at the point in the show now, man, where, um, I, I got to ask you, uh, Ryan Stone, what do you want to whine about? Fuck. That's a hard one. See, I've been thinking about this one since you mentioned it like two weeks ago and whining, I just find whining such a shitty activity. I try not to do it. And I thought really hard. I'm like, I got to be able to give you something. And the best I could think of was, uh, whining about not having anything, not having anything to whine about anymore. Which it's a weird place to get, and I really hope everybody gets there. That's so interesting because, you know, man, I've had a lot of people, you know, I've been doing this for a year and a half, and I've got, I think this is the 50th show or the 51st show. So 51 people I've asked that question to, and I would say the 80% of them are, start off by saying, well, I don't really have anything to whine about because whining is not an adult thing to do. And, uh, and I completely agree. The very first show I ever did, I said, uh, this is like, I understand that not whining is what an adult is supposed to do. But the thing is, is and that, that's why I do the interview before, is because you're more likely to listen to a person whine that you're familiar with and that you understand who they are and where they're coming from <laughs> and sort of what they've been through, rather than just some, some random person just comes up to you on the street and starts bitching about politics or traffic or whatever it might be. You're going to look enough, at them and go. I'll tell you what then, we'll go, with, we'll go with a grievance. A grievance is a nice adult way to whine. All right. Um. The, there's a bit of a nationalist in me, and I'm really not happy with the way my country's going. Okay, let's talk about it. I guess that's the best way I could put it. I know, ever since I saw those uh, those Proud Boys, those Canadian Proud Boys that were, if you've seen the story, where they came to a Canada Day anti-Canada protest, where it was uh, Chief Grizzly Mama or something, who turns out she wasn't really a chief. The Native community in Canada didn't like her, but mm. she just wanted an excuse to go shit on Canada. These guys walk up in Proud Boy tank tops and uh, full-on military buzz cuts with the old with the old uh, British Empire flag we had when we were the Dominion of Canada, and they just asked her politely, "It's like, why do you hate Canada?" And they had like a decent conversation, and then they just got wrung out for it. And I was just thinking, yeah, I get it. These guys are brand new, and they kind of broke the rule of never end up on the news with the military. But uh, it's just, it seems like somebody who was sitting there willing to bitch and whine over getting everything that you could possibly want of a first world country was treated better than five guys who are willing to sign their life up to serve it. And I didn't really like that. And I've been noticing that coming up and up again. It's a, it's a bit of an anti Trudeau rant. It's kind of, it's saddening, but then at the same time you realize, well, I guess it's not coming back. So, well, that's, I, I'll be honest. I hadn't heard of that, that story, but the, the first thing that occurred to me is I didn't know there were, there was anybody who doesn't like Canada as a, as an American, all I, you know, Americans love Canada. I mean, when people complain about America and get on America about what we have going on, I can see why they would want to do that. But I didn't know that there was such a thing as somebody hating Canada just for being Canada. Oh, it's so weird. Well, it's not. They always have to have a certain grievance. Like I know there's there's genuine grievances with the the First Nations or Native. I can't remember what the term I'm supposed to use not to be a racist now, but the Native community here because we had. We had a, an issue with the schools back in the 60s and that way they were separated from their families and a lot of priest raping going on. So it's not very cool. Mm-hmm. It actually at the point where the prime minister gave a, an official apology over it. But like that's still like an open wound. It's kind of like the slavery thing in the States, how people still have some open wounds about it, even if it's not 
directly applicable to your life now. That whole victim mentality thing. And I don't like the coddling of it. Like at some point, at some point you just got to stop. Like even if you're right and yeah, you got, you got fucked over, but at some point you just got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and fix some shit. And I don't like the idea of our country coddling the kind of people who just want to shit all over everything. Right. Like help them out or get out of the fucking way. Like you can't have it both ways. Yeah. It feels well, like we're, a, feels like we're kid, uh, those parents that want to be your kid's best friend. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but yeah, I guess that's part of me. I'm still, uh, still, there's still a part of me that still loves Canada to the point where I don't think I'd get back in the Navy for it, but you know, I did, I did my piece. I gave my pound of flesh. Part of me just likes to, likes to see that it's well taken care of. Yeah. You got hit by a fucking car. So. Oh yeah. There was, that was fucking funny, man. <laughs> I, it hit me so hard. I forgot the I forgot the afternoon. I woke up like at one in the afternoon and I was getting ready to go to work and I was wondering why I was stapled to a board. Holy shit. Well, yeah, I have it on my Twitter. Actually, I sent that, uh, it was a picture cause I was tracking my GPS. And so you see the point on the map where I got hit cause the line gets all squiggly and then a beeline for the hospital. It was oh like my the God. best ride time I've ever had. <laughs> uh, when was that again? Like how long ago was that? It had been like 2011. It was my first month in Montreal, and that's the kind of thing that got the whole ball rolling. And there they have no-fault insurance. So it was just like they picked me up, dusted me off, gave me a pin for my hand, and told me good luck. Wow, so you, you got out of it with just a, a broken hand then? Oh, uh, I have a, a broken bone in my eye. I don't know if it's healed over or not. I have some nerve damage on my right leg. Uh, I got arthritis in my right hand. I almost had two fingers severed. My nails all fucked up. Holy shit. And so now when I do any lifting, any type of pull lifting, like chin-ups or anything, I have to use hooks because I just don't have the grip strength for it. It's just pain. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of, it kind of, let's just say I won't be doing any Ronnie Coleman workouts for a while, but that's fine. We'll work around it. Yeah, man. Well, Jesus, I was going to say, if you, if you couldn't even remember the afternoon, then, then just a broken hand is a pretty, that doesn't correlate, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah. And you want to hear some craziness too? Yeah. I, I think it's given me the power to see my future. No shit. Well, here's how I think about it. Because when I got hit, I don't remember anything that day. So if I'm walking across the street and I remember that I'm here, then I know I wasn't hit because I'm remembering it. This is my little, everybody's got their one thing that people are like, you're fucking crazy, man. That's mine. Now I believe I can see the future. So I know if I'm going to get hit if I don't remember what I'm doing. Well, I got I to gotta ask you, what are you seeing in the future right now then? Well, I know I'm not going to get hit in this room. So yeah. That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at it. I didn't say that. I just said, <laughs> Well, there we Anyways, go. Anyways, no, it's just kind of a joke. It was this nice thing. I just realized as long as it makes the wife always happy when she's like, stop, stop crossing the street. I'm like, I can remember doing it, so I know I wasn't hit. Let's go. Well, actually, uh, you mentioned your wife. Um, we've got about five minutes left here, so I, I did want to ask you. I, I noticed I skipped over my married red pill question, so could you just talk about that and how you got involved? I mean, you kind of mentioned how you got involved with them, rather, but just talk about married red pill and how it differs from red pill and maybe even get into You said there's beef between the two subreddits. I've always wondered how the fuck that happened. It didn't make any sense to me. Well, it's not. Well, I mean, everybody, you ask 10 people, you're going to get 11 different answers, but as best I can see it, it's because you're going to get a bunch of guys together, have them treat each other as king shit and then expect them to get along. Like it's not going to happen Uh, at this point. If you're fully red pilled, you should be an arrogant asshole who's full of himself. That's kind of comes with the territory. So at this point you really shouldn't be getting along. And that was the gist of it. Eagles clashed. There's a little bit of difference in strategy. Cause I know for the reason it even existed was because the red pills first thing is if a girl's giving you too much shit, just walk away. It's not worth it. Yeah. Next But for a married guy with two kids. I mean, nexting or isn't exactly the the easiest first option especially with the way divorce laws are so 
the theory they took there was, all right, well, give it a good month for every year you were married. Get your shit together so you know you're not the problem. And then that high-value man in the future, he can assess what you're going to do. And if you need to kick her to the curb then, that's fine. And some guys have. A lot of girls, though, they end up seeing that their man's kind of moving on without them. And so they get their shit together. Mm. And they end up as a happier couple from that. Right. It's basically just dread game then. Yeah, pretty much. Dread game, becoming high-value, and then asking for full market price when you are. Because so many girls take guys for granted. They do offer a lot more than they think they do. They just don't really acknowledge it. Well, how 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 has that worked with you in, in your own relationship, if you don't mind me asking? Did you, I mean, you know, just, just tell me how that uh, how that played out for you. Did you need to, to do anything or were you just kind of coming into it and being like, eh, I can improve in this area, I can improve in this area, you know? Um, yeah, no, it did. Because uh, at the time, it was just a girl that I was plating when I was doing pickup. And at the time, we were dating a lot of really shitty people. Like, I think I was uh, flaked on by a stripper I had dated once or twice and she was flaked on by some band guy. And so we're like, you know what? Eh, fuck it. Let's just try this out. Put on like a 90-day probation. And it just kind of naturally happened from there. She would have been 19 when I first started dating her and it was 23 when we decided to actually become a thing. So that's always funny. The traditional conservatives like, yeah, you got to find yourself a 19-year-old. Yeah, well, I did it through pickup. So what do you got now? Yeah. Jesus yeah. isn't helping you. <laughs> Whatever works, <laughs> not holding right? Um, but no, it was um, at the point where the the trouble started happening in that and you know, hypergamy, you get kicked when you're down and so you kind of have to take your balls back and there's a process like any other, but now it's been pretty good. You don't get off a moving train and so she's happy, I'm happy, the dogs are happy, everybody's happy. It's funny, you once you get your shit together, everybody around you starts to have a better life too. So it's this nice little ripple effect. Well, uh, how long have you guys been together now then? Jeez, I would have think. I think we're on the tenth year now. Oh wow! Yeah, ten years together. Jeez, I've been out of the game that long. Yeah, two thousand eight, man. It's, I remember you yeah. mentioning that year. So. But that's the funny thing too. So, like, the red pills obviously don't get married. The marriage laws are pretty bad. So we're actually common law married, which is a, a Canadian distinction. So we never had the. Uh, it's a it's a different legal system, but it's basically a time in kind of marriage, which is really neat. I think it's worked out really well for us. Yeah. And she still gets the the ring and all that stuff and. I get to not have that worry about becoming like your father who's had three or four divorces. Like my stepdad had four. He must have lost like millions of dollars in those settlements. Wow. No, he's married again, by the way. He got himself a 30. He's like almost 70. And he's got himself a 38 or 40-year-old French wife. Wow. A brand new kid. Wow. <laughs> four times him. the charm. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I, you know, it never, it, the ride never ends, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's doing well for himself. Just a big, fat fucking guy who runs a runs a logging camp a cement plant somehow seems to do well for himself boy he's got game i gotta give him that <laughs> um well ryan thanks so much for being on man this has been this has been a great conversation hey thanks for having me this has been a blast i actually really like hearing about your story too well great Too bad man. it wasn't we couldn't have you on as a guest here you talking for like an hour yeah that would that would be uh maybe maybe some other time we'll see but uh <laughs> so far i i always say uh my very first show is just me talking about myself and introducing myself and i always tell people don't listen to it because it's basically just me for an hour apologizing for not knowing what i'm doing so but anyway um but anyway, uh, yeah, thanks again for being on, man. Uh, hang on the line. We're gonna, when we go off the air, I'll give you a proper goodbye. But, uh, but again, thanks so much for coming on, and, uh, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. 
Um, and everybody else, I will be back next Wednesday. Um, I'm really excited because my guests are going to be the guys that got me into podcasting. Um, so they're going to be here next Wednesday at the usual time. And uh, I will be back then. Uh, so everybody have a great weekend. This has been American Winer on podcastdetroit.com.